Hello and welcome to the Next Shift Podcast, a place for current and former law enforcement to come together and share stories of life after law enforcement. I promise you it's not as scary as you might think, and life is not over just because your career is. I'm your host, Jess Flores, and I myself have transitioned out of the field. And while it's definitely been one of the hardest and scariest things I've ever had to do, it has also been one of the most rewarding. It's what led me to rediscovering my identity without the job, redefining my purpose and what it kind of looks like now, and reigniting passions I had kind of let go to the wayside. It's what led me to creating Next Shift LLC and now this podcast. It is my mission to help you create your next shift by helping you remember who you are behind the badge. You'll hear stories from those who have already made the transition, their spouses and their perspectives of the transition, as well as some resources. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to serving you. What up, Next Shift fam? It is your girl, Jess, back with another solo episode for you today. This one was rough to come up with a topic. Um, The notes section of my phone literally has a title of podcast episodes. And then as ideas come to me, I throw them in there. Sometimes it's just a title. Sometimes it's the title and then a couple of bullet points. Sometimes it's literally an entire outline of these are all the things under this that I could talk about. Um, And I just kept toying back and forth with a couple of them. And I settled on this one that I hope you find super helpful. I feel like it would have been helpful back at the beginning of my journey. And I feel like part of my struggle with coming up with these solo episodes are trying to force myself back into where I was when all of this unfolded and bring you along for the journey. Because where I am today, the lessons I've learned, the perspectives I've gained, the mindset shifts that I've had took years. And it's one of those things that while I don't mind sharing about them, and if you follow me on either LinkedIn or Instagram or both, you'll see them. Or even if you follow me on my actual page, um, the Just Flores on Instagram, you'll you could scroll back and you can see, you know, five and a half years of hot mess Jess, you will see these lessons, you will see perspectives and mindset shifts change over time, you will see me change over time, which again is exactly what we're supposed to do. But it's really hard to throw myself back into that space of seven years ago when I first lost my career. And I don't know if that is a, because I, I don't want to go back there. It wasn't a very fun place to be. Or if I blocked it out so much that I don't always recall everything. So that's why the notes section of my phone is so good that I can just get ideas out when they come to me. Um, and I, also going to work on saying, um, you guys, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and I almost did it again. Let that be a lesson to you too. If you have a brain that doesn't always shut off and it likes to just think and think and think, get the notes section on your phone or your voice memos, like where I record these podcast episodes every week in the voice memos, or get yourself a damn journal. I know that can be hard on people, especially if you have a wrist injury to do, but get something that gets these thoughts out, that gets these ideas out. I learned like two years ago that the notes section actually has folders I can create. So I could even have a whole folder of just podcast stuff, just Instagram and LinkedIn posts, all of the different things I could have different folders for. 
But without further ado, let's get to today's topic and try to keep this episode on the shorter side since I know these bi-weekly interviews can get rather long for you. Today's episode I titled Expect the Unexpected, which definitely seems like a no-brainer type of a mindset for cops. If we've done nothing else in our career or learned nothing else, we've learned that life is short, it can change in an instant, and tomorrow is never guaranteed. We walk or walked into the unexpected every single night, every single shift, every single call, every single car stop. Yes, the call might be the same type or the car stop might be just, I don't even want to say, quote, just another car stop. Because if we also know anything, that's nothing is actually routine. It may seem routine, but we have to adapt on the fly and be ready to act in literally a half a second. So every single call and car stop we did, we were walking into the unexpected. We can adapt to circumstances like nobody's freaking business. And in those circumstances, we are able to make the best decision that we can with what we have at that exact moment. We can't think outside of it. We have to go with what we know in the moment. Um, and we do this every single night, multiple times a night without even freaking thinking about it. It's like second nature. And more often than not, our training is just like there subconsciously. And when an instance happens, the training just kicks in and it's instant. It doesn't take any time for us to, oh, well, let me think back to that second week of the academy or that third month of the academy. And how did they tell me to do this? It just comes naturally, especially after time. But I then want to ask, why can we do that at work? And when it comes to our life and our, I guess, our life and our, our life outside of law enforcement, we set these expectations for our lives. We have this grand idea that life is just going to unfold the way we want it to. <laughs> it makes me laugh because, goodness gracious, if we've learned anything, that is not accurate. Um, but the second it doesn't go as planned, we just kind of lose and we freaking fall apart. And maybe this isn't everybody. Maybe this is me. I don't know. I hope I'm not alone. But hopefully this will help somebody else out there. But the second life doesn't go the way we expected it to. We feel lost. We feel out of control. And we have this really odd aversion to things not going as planned. Uh, I will say that slowly but surely, this is one of the biggest and one of the most major changes I have personally noticed in myself since getting out of the field. I am much more willing to go with the flow or not have a plan necessarily. And even losing the oftentimes unrealistic expectations that I have put on myself or on others. And I've talked about this in a previous episode that we we like to do that as cops. I don't know if it's because we are expected to be perfect by everyone around us that we then project that onto everybody else and we expect either us out of them or we expect them to do something perfect or treat us perfectly or give us the best service possible. It's just kind of funny how that happens. But I will say that since getting out of the field, that is a major difference. Go with the flow. Understand the shit is going to happen and I just have to roll with the punches when it does. Um, life is, what is that quote? Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it. You guys, 
it screen record that part literally rewind this screen record that part and say it over and over and over again make it your mantra if you have to life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to it we have full control over how we react to the unexpected circumstances that come at us and again this whole mindset shift, this whole perspective, this whole ability to do this came after losing my career. And I will say unexpectedly, but it's funny because oftentimes when I tell my story and I give, you know, the timeline of, well, this is when the injury really made itself apparent and I had to go to the doctor. And then this is what the doctor said. And then this is when surgery was supposed to be. This is when surgery was, oh, his timeline was way off because I wasn't better then. And then when it got time to finally having to turn in my paper saying, yeah, I'm not going to be able to come back. That is kind of like an eight or nine month kind of time period. And people are like, well, you should have expected something in there. And I'm going to tell you, I did not expect my career to be over that year. I was 30, 31 years old. I had only been a sergeant for like a year and a month or two when I had surgery. I felt like I was kind of on top of the world and indestructible and then my wrist proved otherwise. But I did not expect it. The entire time I was off, the entire time I was down, I thought I would be getting better. And I don't really have an answer for people as to why I didn't like start looking elsewhere or making a plan or coming up with something. I just don't. I don't know if it was the denial part. Maybe it was pride and, oh, I will be back and better than you and blah, blah, blah. Well, not better than you, but better than I was. Um, the doctor said I would be good as new. If it was fear of, oh, God, this can't be it. This cannot be over. I don't know what to do. And so I was keeping myself in this weird spot. And then obviously there was a side of anger because I sure was not as good as new in even the six, seven, eight month mark when I was told three months I would be good as new. So for those who maybe haven't heard the the story or the timeline, I was told January of 2016, I needed to have wrist surgery and it was my dominant hand. It was my gun hand um, and that I would be good as new in like three months. I was like, okay, perfect. It's actually cold outside. I despise the cold. I'll be back just in time for the spring and summer seasons. I'll get back on the road. Again, I had only been a sergeant for like a little bit over a year. And while that year had been the most stressful, holy shit, of my career, I questioned myself every day as to why I did that to myself. Um, but I would also never take it back because damn, did I learn a lot about myself, about leadership, about police work in general, all of the things. But I wasn't ready for that to be over. I took a lot of pride in my work. I took a lot of pride in being there for my team, my squad, for being part of their learning and their growth. Because I tell you what, they all had like six months experience or less with one or two exceptions. And that was rough. <laughs> that, that was rough. Um, but I hated any time somebody had to either fill in on my squad for myself or someone else. Um, I hated having to ask my corporal to step up and fill my shoes while I was gone, despite knowing she was beyond capable. She was, yes, she was more than capable. And Corin, if you hear this, please know that I love and respect you for all that you did that entire time I was gone. So that three and a half months came by that 
that's what I planned for. That's what my squad planned for. That's what my department planned for. That's what the doctor planned for. But it came and went and I still wasn't better. Um, and life had, I guess, different plans for me because nine months after this surgery, a second opinion and a really long, hard, thought out decision of, I cannot go back at this like 80% that I feel like I'm at, especially not with the climate around law enforcement starting to change. I said one, two, three, I want to say we had five or six officers very locally shot and killed um, in the area. It was clearly like something was different. Something was changing. And I was like, what in the frick is going on? If we think back to 2016, I think most of us are aware of something pretty major that was going on around that time. And it's uh, been a pattern since then. But that's a whole nother tangent that we will not go down. But I'd also worked injured for the past two years. And I was really just sick and tired of freaking doing that. You know, that driving to a call, ripping a brace off of my wrist so people wouldn't see a weakness or so that I could do what I needed to do because adrenaline was going to take over. Like that just wasn't smart. It wasn't safe. And I only had the surgery because I was tired of doing that. So how could I go back when it was still going to be the case? In fact, I had much less strength in that hand than I did when I had surgery. So talk about someone looking out for me from above. I took a lot of years, a lot of years to get to the point where I was like, this happened for me, not to me. It's another one of those mindset slash perspective shifts, if you will. I did not feel that way for sure at first, but, um, but I got there. It took, it took a while, it took several years. And like I said, it's the climate around our profession has gotten much, much worse since I got out. And I just know, I know looking back that this was all part of the journey, that my career was just a, a blip. And I want you to think that way. I want you to think about your career as just part of who you are, as just part of your life. It is not who you are. It is not what your life is. It is a part of those things. Um, I didn't need that part of my notes, I guess. Awkward silence. We're always bad at that. But during all of those months that I was off, I never accepted that it was over. And I definitely did not plan like it was going to be over. And uh, hashtag my bad. That's another lesson I learned and I would love <laughs> to share with you. So that maybe you can be far more prepared should this ever happen to you. Whether injury or any other thing that we can lose our careers over. We never know when our career will be over. I want you to plan for it and always expect that today is that day because it very well could be that day. You could go into work today and everything changes. You just never know. We were taught in the academy to prepare for things and run scenarios through our minds, how we would respond. Um, I remember, I, I still do it to this day. I will drive up to an intersection where I'm having to stop and I will be very hyper aware of what is going on around me. Is there a bum standing on the corner? What cars are around me? Do I have a way to divert if something were to happen? If someone were to rear end me or come up to my window with a gun or anything of the sort. And when I tell you guys that shit never goes away, it literally never goes away. 
it's maybe not as often as when you were in it, but it is still there, especially if something out of the ordinary happens when you're driving around or you're out and about. But anyways, I want you to do that. I want you to plan for what you will do if A, B, or C happens. Are you getting hurt? Are you getting, I don't want to say worse because then you're not really having to think about anything your family is. Is something, could something happen to your family? Uh, will you get fired for who knows what, honestly, these days, especially if you're in a county like ours. But I want you to ask yourself on the regular, what will I do if I wake up tomorrow and I'm no longer a cop? And it may seem silly and it may seem odd and it may be like, I'm not doing that because you don't want to put yourself in that headspace. But I am telling you from experience that having some sort of thought process, some sort of plan around the end of your career, because as much as we want to plan for it being 25, 30 years down the road and we're going to have this great retirement, we're going to have all these things, that is not always what happens. So I want you to think about that. If I wake up tomorrow and I'm no longer a cop, what? am I going to do? Write it down. Talk it out either with yourself or with someone. If you have a significant other, absolutely talk it out with them because you are all part of this plan if something does happen. We are not as indestructible as we think or once thought that we were. And this job can be taken for any number of reasons in any instant. I want you to play out every scenario you can think of and talk it out with your significant other. I wouldn't say your family. If you have older kids, maybe, but I don't think it's something they need brought into because there's no need to put a a fear in them. And I don't want you to take fear out of this. It's not being paranoid. It's not being, I can't even think of whatever word I was trying to think of, but it is just being as prepared as you can be for something to happen. One of the best pieces of advice I actually ever got was, I don't even know if I was a week in to being out on the road. I was in FTO and my FTO, we were getting our car ready. We were getting ready to head out of the back lot. And he made the comment, and I don't know why, I think he just came from off duty maybe, but he made the comment talking about never having a lifestyle that depended on off duty or overtime or all of those different things because if tomorrow this career is gone or you get hurt and you're out for months and you can no longer work those things but you've created a lifestyle where you have tons and tons of bills to pay every single month but you can no longer do that that amount of stress you guys is not a level of stress that any of us need to be under ever Um, so if your current lifestyle is based on all the extra money you can make doing grants or overtime or off duty and not just your base pay, I want you to, again, sit there and ask yourself what you will do if one of life's curveballs comes and hits your family. The stress of this job is nothing compared to the stress of having to find a new job, bills stacking up. Um, Everything, obviously, right now getting more expensive. And all of that stress on top of whatever it is that has you no longer in your career or the possibility of it being over while you're fighting through whatever, maybe it's an injury or legal battle, whatever it is, all of that 
on top of your shoulders is far worse than any stress you will ever feel on this job. And I do not want you to have to go through that. Um, a couple pieces of advice. I think I'm actually wrapping this up, guys. It's going to be kind of a short episode. But a piece of advice that I would tell you is to always have a copy of your resume that is up to date. Every single time you get a new certification, you attend a new training, you move an idea forward throughout your department, you change roles for whatever reason, keep all of that up to date. Always, always be looking to expand your knowledge and your network. And I do not mean within law enforcement. I mean with or not with (laughs) outside of law enforcement get into some personal development or professional development courses. I've told you guys before about like Google, I say Google University, but Google literally has courses that you can get into and you can take. LinkedIn Learning is there. I do not know what that costs, but it is another way to get different certifications, personal training certifications, um, nutritionist certification, anything outside of law enforcement that you are um, interested in. Take some interest in that and actually take some time to get to know and learn some of those things. And then your network. You guys hear me say it, I swear to goodness, every single episode almost. But LinkedIn is going to be your best friend throughout your career and definitely throughout your transition and after. Whether you only have a profile, you create it, please put a picture on it for gosh sakes. You don't have to be super active, but I would encourage you to. I would encourage you to interact with so many people, whether it is other people in um, law enforcement around the country so that you can maybe see that life isn't uh, or things aren't always greener on the other side because everybody's got the same complaints. People who are already out of law enforcement, how they did it, why they did it, what they're doing now, and people in whatever industry or field you could see yourself wanting to be in when this career is no longer an option. Again, it could be tomorrow and you don't know. You might as well start having connections in place. Um, you never know when you're going to need someone or some sort of knowledge. And having all of that in place when one of life's curveballs comes in hot will make or remove at least one of the stressors that comes with that. If the thought of planning for life after law enforcement seems daunting, hmm, I totally get it. Been there. Uh, I want to remind you that you are not alone. There is literally an entire network on LinkedIn of people who have transitioned. There are books out there now. There are podcasts out there. And someone made the comment the other day um, when they messaged me about the podcast and they said, I really enjoyed that last interview you did because it wasn't someone who retired or had climbed through the ranks. I really related to them and I appreciate that. And that is a balance that I, I keep trying to strike because I initially wasn't here to help retired people at all. And it wasn't to discriminate against them. It was just... I know that they had a full career. They got to plan for things. There is financial planning out there, retirement planning. There's seminars for those things. And there wasn't anything for those of us who just one day it was gone. So I really do try to find a balance of interviews with people who were injured or people who chose to get out before their career was over, people who did retire, people at the federal level, people at the local level, because it all matters. Everybody has a story. And again, you may not hear yourself in my story, but maybe you hear yourself in that 
major or that commander that left the department at retirement or you hear it in the patrolman who got fired for again whatever reason maybe you're hearing yourself or bits and parts of your story in different people's transition story and you're like okay I can see it now. I can see that I'm going to be okay. And I can connect with that person and they can reach out. Um, We can talk and share stories. I can address maybe fears with them that other people just won't get, or at least that's how you feel. Been there, done that. But I also want to remind you that the link in my bio, the link down at the bottom of this show notes, you can book a one-on-one call with me to where we just chat for 30 minutes. If you need to get some things off your chest or you are like, oh man, I'm just not ready for this. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to ask or where to start. Reach out. Let's have that 30-ish. <laughs> I'm pretty generous with my time. That 30-ish minute phone call or Zoom because I want to be able to see you. I want to be able to hear what you're saying and see you and reflect it back to you. But let's have that conversation. Let's see where you're feeling maybe a little bit stuck or hesitant and see if working together to work through those things would be an option for you. Um, Again, no harm, no foul. It's a 30-minute phone call or Zoom and uh, then we go about our business. But that is all I have for you guys today. Short and sweet, to the point. Hopefully it was very helpful um, for <laughs> just reminding you that life has a crazy way of throwing some curveballs. And while we can't always be super prepared for the exact curveball, we can have an idea in our mind and we can be somewhat prepared for knowing that the curveball is going to come somewhere and we can combat it. So thank you guys for being here. I appreciate you. Well, that does it for this episode. Thank you so very much for choosing to spend your time with me. If you loved it, I'd be honored if you shared it with a friend or your social media network, but be sure to tag me so I can reach out and personally thank you. Until next time, see you next shift.